So I'm going to turn to the Word this morning. And the title of my message this morning is When Jesus Crowds in Front. When Jesus Crowds in Front. One thing about Jesus Christ, he's very unpredictable. Religion tends to be able to predict stuff. Not so Jesus. I mean, one time he said to Peter, Hey, flesh and blood hasn't revealed my lordship, but the Spirit of God has, the Father has. And then uh, it seemed like just shortly after that, he says, Get behind me, Satan. But that, those words, that even that rebuke was um, a breaking in, an interruption into Peter's life to say, I love you, and this is how I'm expressing it right now because you need a breakthrough in this area. And not to depend on human wisdom, but on all that's God, and I'm God, and you need to go back to that original revelation. Jesus is always saying stuff and doing stuff that surprise people. And I actually really love that about Jesus. I love that he crowds in front. I've been thinking, uh, this has been very important to me in this season. These last few weeks I've been thinking about this reality a lot, that Jesus Christ in his resurrection presence and his resurrection power stands between me and every problem, every anxiety, every fear, every concern, every negative emotion. Listen to me. Jesus Christ stands between you and any negative emotion, any fear, any anxiety, any problem. Jesus Christ and his resurrection power, his infinite love, and in his confident joy. In his confident joy, he stands between you and those situations. He is our complete and full uh, experience. He's the one. It's always just Jesus. And we praise Him for that. I'm going to teach you a verse. If you don't know it already. Psalm 16, verse 8. And mind you, the number 8 is the number of new beginnings. Psalm 16. 16 is double 8. Verse 8. New beginnings. 8, 8, 8. New beginnings. Father, Son, and Spirit, I know I don't often get sort of symbolic stuff, but I can't get over this. Three eights. Two times eight, sixteen plus eight. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. I have set the Lord always before me. Always he's before me because he's at my right hand. I will not be shaken. I will not be moved. And Jesus Christ himself. And God the Father and God the Son are crowding into that place. And it would be wise for us to let them have that place and not fight them in that place. He's our supreme circumstance. When Jesus crowds in front, here's my first talking point. When Jesus crowds in front of our great concerns, our greatest concerns, he in resurrection power always exudes supernatural love, supernatural joy, And supernatural confidence. Here's me and and my two dear daughters. 
I texted them uh, together, or I messaged them together recently, these words. Hey, two daughters, very proud of you as you navigate the life challenges of these days. May God give you revelation of the resurrected, loving, joyful, confident Jesus, who is always crowding in and insisting on standing between you and the greatest concern of your day. Amen and amen. See, if you don't agree with me, when we look at the story, the account, the historical account of the transfiguration of Jesus Christ in the presence of Peter and James and John on the mount, the Mount of Transfiguration, as we look at this, I want to remind you that Jesus said concerning himself, no one goes up to heaven except him who came down from heaven and who is in heaven. Jesus Christ transcends time when he's on this earth, when he was on this earth. Who is in heaven, even while he is on this earth. Who is in heaven. And one of the things that Jesus is doing in this Mount of Transfiguration is showing Peter, James, and John, hey, I am crowding in between you and any problem, any negative emotion, any concern you have with my resurrection reality, watch and enjoy. See if you don't agree with me that Jesus re- reveals himself with this confidence and joy and love in his transfiguration, his reaching into heaven, into his eternal future, and pulling that reality back, transcending time and showing the three disciples what he will be like forever, because he is like is really like that in the now. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Brenda is going to be uh, reading the scripture from the past from the Passion translation right now. So I'm reading in Matthew chapter 16, verses 27 through the end, and then Matt, uh, chapter 17 through verse 5. So. Matthew 16, verse 27. For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what they have done. Truly I tell you, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Chapter 17. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter James and John, the brother of James, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. There he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun. His clothes became as white as the light. Just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah, talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. Thank you, Brenda. May God add his blessing to his word, Red of Life. This was not, this experience of the transfiguration was not designed to be just 
one moment in sequential time, but expressive of the time-transcendent nature of Jesus that we can access as we set him before us. Because he is before us. I have set the Lord always before me. I, because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Can we say that again? I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Psalm 16, verse 8. Remember when Peter was stressed out because of the bereavement of losing his friend Jesus on the cross? The trauma of his own guilt in denying Jesus? The terror of the possibility that he himself would be executed because of his identification with Jesus? A sense of emotional failure and his deep loneliness and losing his friend, all these different negative emotions were blasting him in a certain season of his life, the days after the death of Christ on the cross. Remember what he said? Man, I'm just tripping out here. I'm going to escape completely. I'm going to go fishing. Fishing. I wonder if you felt like escaping completely a little bit. I know I took a nice motorcycle ride the other day. It was great to see God's country out in the hills above talent. It was sort of an escape completely from the pressures and stresses that I was feeling. Also, I went fishing myself, but I didn't get skunked completely like Peter did. Caught a couple of trout at the Expo Pond the other day. It was a good break. But the most important thing that happened to Peter when he went fishing was that Jesus appeared on the shore and made him breakfast. He interrupted, he crowded into Peter's life. This is a pattern with Jesus and Peter and all of his disciples and us. Jesus crowds in with his resurrection presence and power and love and joy and confidence. He's always crowding in front of us. And we need him to. In 2018, the American Psychiatric Association did a study in which they determined that 51% of Americans described themselves as anxious. That was before the COVID-19 anxiety attack. I love what Max Lucado, he put it this way, don't ever forget that Satan peddles anxiety. He traffics in anxiety. There's a spiritual power behind anxiety. It can be fueled by the enemy for sure. And we're reminded that in Ephesians 2, the Apostle Paul says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live. When you followed the ways of this world, the prince of the power of the air, who is at work in those who do not believe. We can expect a demonic increase in anxiety without Jesus Christ breaking it off. But when Jesus Christ and his resurrection power, love and confident joy is between us and our anxiety, we can expect as believers in Jesus to live a lifestyle of constant breaking off anxiety and any other negative emotion. We have confidence in Him. You might be in a situation watching this where you're not sure of your own place in Jesus and you want to have Jesus be your great anxiety buster. I'm going to give you a chance at the end of this message to ask Jesus in your heart and be your anxiety buster forever. So, my second talking point today is when Jesus crowds in front of our great concerns... He in resurrection power always exudes love, joy, and confidence very robustly. 
very enthusiastically, Amen. very rudely, you might even say. <laughs> he, uh, hey, life, life uh, extremities get rude. Jesus gets ruder. He says to life extremities, and the enemy who, some, who sometimes tries to get all he can out of those life extremities to hurt us, Jesus is basically saying, man, you shouldn't bring a knife to a gunfight. <laughs> His resurrection power is the great anxiety buster, and he is a great victory. And he even says he will defeat the final enemy, the enemy of death. Yeah. Remember, just after this event, who he, he delivers a little boy. And the enemy was trying to throw this little boy into the fires. And he was the little boy was demonized for whatever reason in his, uh, his own family situation. It was a troubled situation. But Jesus breaks in with a certain chutzpah, a certain roughness. A certain robustness. That was the word that I felt was the most palatable for those of us that can't stand the thought of Jesus being rude. <laughs> he's robust. He's enthusiastic. He presses in and assertively says, I'm the Lord here. Excuse me. Yeah. Hooray for Jesus. Remember when he cleansed the temple? Kind of robust experience there. I love what C.S. Lewis wrote in the Chronicles of Narnia. Mr. Beaver says, to Susan, Aslan is a lion, the lion, the great lion. Oh, said Susan, I thought he was a man. Is he quite safe? I should feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. Mr. Beaver says, safe? Who said anything about safe? Of course he's not safe, but he is very, very, very good. Jesus very robustly crowds in front of their great concern about their future with Peter, James, and John. Their eschatology, their, their theology of the end times was part and parcel of what was happening for the 400 years between Malachi and the Old Testament and the coming of Jesus. An eschatology, an end times theology that was marked by terror. God is distant. He doesn't even talk to us anymore. And the, there's no prophetic word being released. He's angry with us and he's going to break in on the scene and he's going to judge us. And Jesus comes to, the, to them and he breaks in on that. He crowds into that theology and says, excuse me, I want to stand between your theology that is so negative and terrorized and you and say, I am your end times eschatology. I am your end times theology. And I am good. He says, for the Son of Man, in the verse 27 following, for the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father. Okay, our theology agrees with that so much, so far. But what's this about being the Father? Well, Jesus said, the Father himself loves you, so he's our Father coming too. He will come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he will reward each according to his works. Reward! If you're blood-bought, the issue isn't judgment. The issue is level of rewards, because Jesus took his, the judgment on the cross. This is a new end-time theology for James and John and Peter. Jesus crowds in front of their fears about the future and says, I'm the Lord and I am good. I'm your friend. I, the same Jesus you know me right now, I'm the same one that's going to come back with all the angels. And I'm going to give all kinds of rewards out. It's going to be Christmas, man. It's going to be awesome. I want to hear an amen from home. Amen. <laughs> Jesus 
very robustly. Crowds in front of their great concern about the future and their great concern about death, the last enemy. Assuredly, verse 28, Assuredly I say to you, there are some standing here who shall not taste death till they see the Son of Man come in His kingdom. And that some isn't just a select few. It's not just Peter, James, and John. It's anyone who can, by childlike faith, get a hold of the kingdom realities that the kingdom of heaven is at hand and all the wonderful uh, delectable delights of the kingdom are ours for the savoring and the enjoyment. It's a beautiful experience, the kingdom. And Jesus stands in front of death. Jesus stands between you and your death and says, one, you might not ever die because I'm coming back. There's going to be a last generation that doesn't die. Second of all, if you do die, I'm standing in front of that experience and I am, I am exuding confident joy and love towards you and I am the supreme circumstance, not death. Death is defeated. The king is alive, we sang today. Hooray. Yeah. In AD 256, measles hit Rome. For the first time, no one knew what it was. But 5,000 people a day died. Except amongst the Christians. Was it because they had more faith? Because they had more prayer? I think so. But all the statistics that come from that era indicate the Christians were the only ones that were not afraid of death. They were, uh, they were totally into helping other people that were in a tough spot. And because of that, helping each other, the household of faith, and helping their neighbors, blessing their neighbors, there was far less, there were far fewer fatalities among the, the, the Christians. And there was an anointing of courage, an anointing of faith, that Jesus was a great victor over death. He was standing between them and death as the winner. Jesus was very robustly, he very robustly crowds in front of their great concern about the future, about death, and all their human extremities. We see that in verse 1 of chapter, of chapter um, 17. Now, after six days, Jesus took Peter James and John, his brother, led them up on a high mountain by themselves. There is significance in the phrase, now after six days. It's not wasted. Right after Jesus had said, hey, I'm standing between you and your negative theology and between you and, the, and death. He says, after he gives them that revelation and teaching, six days goes by of them living their daily lives. And I believe that that six days has a symbolic meaning. The number six in the Bible is the number of humanity. The human predicament, six days. Remember that man was created on the sixth day. We're to work six days. We're to, we were to work the fields for six years and then give them a year off. And the great and last Antichrist, the number 666, is the extreme expression of human wisdom without God and without the fear of God and without honoring the Bible or the Word of God. Six is the number of humanity. So what is Jesus, what is God saying? 
He's saying that I am standing in front of your humanity. Corey Ten Boom put it this way. If we look at the world, we will be distressed. That's the human condition. If we look within, we'll be depressed. That's the human condition without Christ. If we look at the world, we'll be distressed. If we look within, we'll be depressed. But if we look at Christ, we'll be at rest. If we look at Christ, we'll be at rest. Corey Ten Boom, Holocaust survivor. Jesus very robustly crowds in front of and sits on that we look at him. I love it that there's a sequence. First, first I'm going to fix your end times theology. And then I'm going to solve the I'm going to stand in front of that. Then I'm going to stand in front of your personal journey of death. I'm going to stand in front of that. And by the way, I'm going to evade the situation. That, that immediate concern you have, I'm going to stand in front of that too. So he crowds in more and more and more. From theology to concern about death to just whatever bugging you that day. He's crowding in and standing in front of it. He is quite rude. <laughs> I'm going to read that first uh, 1 through 4 of chapter 17 again. Comment. Now, after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, led them up on a high mountain by themselves. I'm sorry. I don't know if you like to climb mountains. I know my son David likes to climb mountains. I think Tom Seasonick likes to climb mountains. I don't know if you guys like to climb mountains, but I don't like to climb mountains. <laughs> When I was 14, I climbed Mount Adams in Washington State and I made a solemn vow to myself. I will never do this again. <laughs> yeah, it was fun sliding down the glaciers on the way back. Oh, I don't know why my dad let me do that. But I do know that it was hard to climb that mountain. And I don't know how Peter, James, and John felt about walking up, but I don't think I would have enjoyed the hike up that mountain. I, I'm just not into it. On the lower rogue trail, the wild and scenic section, hiking out with David a few years ago and, and my son-in-law Richard. Yeah, I have to admit, it was pretty amazing scenery. And parts of it were amazingly fun. But there was one section that had a sheer wall on the left and a sheer drop on the right. And I even tried crawling on my hands and knees over that and I was terrorized. I made a solemn commitment to myself. Never to do that part of the trail again. The guys ended up rescuing me. Anyway, the climb up the mountain to me in this phrase, in this uh, passage, is also an experience of extreme humanity. And I didn't, I should have got a hold of Jesus between me and the fear of the mountain, but I didn't. And I don't ever intend to, just so you know. In our current challenge of challenges of life, Jesus Christ is saying this is not just a story of transfiguration in the Bible. It is a prototype. The Apostle Peter, 30 years later, refers to this experience of the transfiguration and says that sign and a wonder to me is also a sign and a wonder to you, confirming the prophetic words about Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is God and he is fully in his resurrection power and presence. Standing mightily and strongly, confidently and joyfully and lovingly between you and any problem that you face in your life. He is the Lord. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. The joy of the Lord is my strength. 
Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Paul says in Ephesians 6, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. We can stand strong because Jesus stands strong. He's an amazingly strong anchor. Hooray. In the current pandemic challenge, I've seen people respond in ministry. I mean, um, did I read once or four all the way? Okay, he was, let's pick up at verse 2. He was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, talking with him. Then Peter answered and said to Jesus, Lord, it's good for us to be here. If you wish, let us make here three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. And I'll start a Christian magazine and we'll get the word out about this amazing experience that happened to us here. Peter says in first I started second Peter chapter 1, he says this is normative for our lives. This this event of Jesus breaking in, his spirit is causing the new day to be dawning in our lives. And the morning star is dawning in our hearts. This is the revelation of Jesus crowding in between us and our problem or our, our concern, our situation. It's Jesus crowding in. But we're not just to bask in the moment of his glory. We're to bask in the moment, get refreshed, and then go down the hill and... Be a part of the rescue of a little boy. Now, they made the mistake, but they're learning of not being able to cast a demon out. Jesus did. But, you know, they were there. They showed up. And that's all he's really asking us to do is to show up and have all the faith we can and watch what Jesus will do. I've heard of people reaching out knitting masks. Some people I know of are, are knitting masks to help, to help uh, people out that want, that want a mask. I heard of, a, of someone bringing milk to a young family that needed help. Someone offered to be do a TP delivery service to senior saints only. <laughs> someone ministered to the dying this week, powerfully in the spirit. Someone bought a tent for a homeless person this week. And we're all sheltering in place because we want to help others not to get sick. And we start We start even with just helping kids. Like the first person they, they ministered to when they came down off the mountain was a child. And in this pandemic, let's remember that kids are experiencing trauma too. Let's bless the children as best we can. Our own child, grown child, our firstborn daughter, Sarah. It's our picture at the beginning. Uh, she had asthma when she was a child and she has uh, COVID-19 symptoms right now. Her husband Richard had them last week. Now she's last couple days and she's having trouble breathing. I want to ask that some of our intercessors be especially cognizant of praying for her with me in faith for a breaking off of this. She, a friend of hers noted that she... Uh, that her friend had symptoms a couple weeks ago 
And her comment was, it feels like an elephant was sitting on my chest. And Sarah says, I know exactly what you mean. I would like you, I would like, you know what I'm going to ask you to do? I'm not asking you to make a promise to me or promise to God, but maybe make a promise to yourself. If we had even 72 people that would pray for 20 minutes a day just to do a kind deed for me and Brenda to be merciful to us for our daughter's sake. We could, in the time transcendent experience of God, God could apply that 20 minutes a day. 72 people would be a 24-hour coverage. And I could assure Sarah that God was covering her through our prayers 24 hours a day until the breakthrough came for her. I'm wondering if, if you might be one of those 72 people. Don't, not guilt-motivating you, twisting your arm, please. You don't even have to tell me if you are, but if you'd like to be, you know, if you'd contact me, I'd, that would be cool. But you don't have to, but if you want to, that'd be cool if you want to. Here's how my uh, daughter-in-law, Megan, was a blessing to her, her child in some of the traumatic experiences going through um, anxieties of this season. The picture of Luke. And then Megan says, Luke, do you want me to draw you another picture? He's been having me draw in pictures and then he saves them all and even sleeps with them at night. And Luke says, yes. And Megan says, okay. And Luke says, mommy, yes, baby. Thank you for loving me. My friends, when we reach out to other people, Jesus with us is breaking in, crowding in with supernatural love, joy, confidence, resurrection power, because he's with us. We're partnering with him. Because I have set the Lord always before me, because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Psalm 16, verse 8. Say it with me one last time. I mean, for the sermon, say it often, <laughs> moving forward. <laughs> I have set the Lord always. I can't hear you. Please participate. I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Psalm 16, verse 8. We have... Uh, this remembrance. Who said anything about safe? Of course, he is not safe, but he is very, very, very good. Watch out, he's crowding in. Yeah, word of knowledge team is pre-recorded. So if you have one of these conditions or any other condition, put your hand in the area of concern or close to the area of concern and believe God with the prayer that's going to be offered in just a moment. For healing for you. God confirming his word today with signs following. We'll come back in just Hello, my friends. Our team has words of knowledge for you. And do what you need to do to give healing for this. Call somebody, agree in prayer, uh, but go after God and, and do this. God wants to heal knee pain. God wants you back on your knees. Suffering from insomnia or having trouble sleeping, the Lord wants to help you. Feet. Specifically, I saw a toe that was curling under the other toes, and it caused yeah, the, great pain when up. the person tried to walk. But the healing is not limited to just a toe. The Lord is healing feet. 
Some people may be fearful of the pandemic, and the Lord wants to minister to your heart and give you his sweet peace that passes all understanding. New connections in the body, nerves, neurons, blood vessels, better blood flow, dislocated joints being put back. So feet, knees, insomnia, fear or panic, new connections, dislocations are being reconnected. God bless you all. Bye-bye. Here's uh, what our Word of Knowledge team is releasing. Impressions from the Holy Spirit about conditions and needs. God wants to heal knee pain. Because God wants you back on your knees. Suffering from insomnia. Having trouble sleeping. God wants to heal that. The Lord wants to help you. Feet. Specifically, I saw a toe that was curling under the other toes and it caused great pain when the person tried to walk. But the healing is not limited to just a toe. The Lord is healing feet. Some people may be fearful of the pandemic and the Lord wants to minister to your heart and to give you his sweet peace that passes all understanding. And these others, let's agree with me in prayer. Uh, knee pain be healed insomnia be healed toe pain be healed fear be healed dislocated joints be put back blood flow feet, knees, insomnia fear of panic dislocations be healed and anything else that's going on right now be totally healed in Jesus Christ's name. We're going to sing a worship song right now. As you're getting healing, be sure and text us or contact us with regard to testimonies. We want to get the word out about these. Thank you, Word of Knowledge team, and thank you, everyone, for having faith together for these healings. If today you're not sure you have Jesus in your life, you're not sure you can put him between you and your problem because he's not in your life. He wants to be in your life. If you don't have him in your life, it's only going to get worse. If he is in your life, it's only going to get better. Pray this prayer after me if you're not born again or if you're not sure you're born again. Dear Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I call upon you to save me right now. I confess you as Lord. I believe that God raised you from the dead. I am saved. I am born again. I'm on my way to heaven because I have Jesus Christ in my heart. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, be sure to text someone that you respect as a Jesus person. And they'll help you to grow in your relationship with Jesus. If you don't have anyone like that, text me. Contact me. I'll help you with your relationship with Jesus. Let's worship King Jesus one more time before we're done this morning. Thank you.
much. Thank you for joining us from home. Got to, can I have the tech crew and everybody come up here? We just want to say um, together, God bless you and grace to you. Let's just uh, go like this. Grace and favor to you on three. One, two, three. Grace and favor to you. We love you. Thank you.